What's up, and welcome to another week of the Grindline podcast. It's Ryan, not Greg. A little bit of a curveball there for everybody. Uh, Greg is out due to the bubonic plague at home, aka children. So it is myself and Tyler. Tyler, how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad to be back talking hockey with you guys, even though my baseball season is starting. Yes, (laughs) you, Ryan, uh, and Greg, who will listen to this. But yes. Uh, glad to be talking hockey with you and then most importantly, our fans. So uh, looking forward to getting into some of the nitty gritty that what we, what we have uh, scheduled for this podcast here. I was going to say you've uh, been on a raging baseball boner the past couple of days. You're wearing your Red Sox hoodie right now for those that aren't watching. So, yeah, well, you know, what? I, I, I got it back from my parents house. I, I was kind of going through some of the shit that I still have there. I'm like, oh, this is actually really nice because it fits big and I can just wear it around the house. Is that a Majestic brand? Yeah, it is. Oh, those are comfy. Those are warm sweatshirts, though. Is it cold in Boston right now? Uh, It was warm today. It's cooler again tonight. So, Ah. dude, it's like it's like 20 to 25 degrees in the morning. And then by the time we get to the afternoon, it's like 55, 60. Today was 65. Like, you got to be kidding me, dude. Like, Today it got mid fifties. The overnight's supposed to be forty eight. A couple of days ago it was like that though, where it uh, it got real cold. And like the other day, I think it was Sunday morning, or um, it was like twenty nine degrees out when we woke up. Right now like, it says it's fifty one. I think it feels more like forty five out because I have shorts on and then this giant hoodie. But anyways, like I said, uh, yeah, I, I do have the baseball thing going. But you know, I've been paying attention to the wings, um, you know, as much as I can. Not done yet. Got to. Michigan's in the Nash, in the uh, the Frozen Four too, so I'm excited. When is when's the Frozen Four? It feels like forever since uh, Thursday. They got two weeks off for that. Uh they get a week. Yeah, they get a week in between. I got gotcha. you. But anyways, all right. Well, since we last talked, the Wings have been on a maybe to some people's chagrin a bit of a roll here. They've won three of four. Beating up on Pittsburgh, they beat Carolina. The, we're not going to talk about Winnipeg. And then they came out and made Toronto look silly. Um, are you for or against that right now? I mean, okay, so here's here's where I kind of get into it. I'm for it because we've we've kind of talked about it at nauseum that we're not getting the first overall pick. Um, I guess where where it kind of gets a little gray is like, okay, if you wanted Adam Fantilli or you wanted, um, you know, Matej Michkov or one of those guys, like, mm-hmm. you know, you still want to be in the top five. And I guess it still is possible, but it's certainly going to be harder, um, especially given the way that they're winning and they're winning again tonight against the Canadians. So um I don't love it, but I don't hate it either because you do have the young guys up, which we're going to talk about uh, at a later moment here in this podcast. But um, yeah, I mean, I got to be honest, like if if Edmondson's up and he's playing the way he's playing and, and, you know, we have other guys that have come up and and have done a good job um, who I'm I'm not going to mention just yet. But I mean, that's huge because. Honestly, like, yeah, you you want to get the highest pick possible if you're not going to make the playoffs, but sure, um, they're still technically not eliminated, right? Like, no. The biggest thing I think I saw today is they had to lose with another combination of someone else winning. I want to say Pittsburgh, and then they'd be officially out. But I don't know. I don't think them winning officially takes them out yet because they've got five games, ten possible points. 
Um, let's see, Pittsburgh and the Islanders. I mean, it's unless each team, everyone else in front of them loses and they went out, then they're in. Let's see what happens. It's good, crazy, but it's not going to happen. So they're within a game or two of their fate being officially decided. We still have Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Dallas at Carolina at. But I mean, you never know. Uh, like I, well, said. I can tell you right now that I don't have faith in the Buffalo game because they've looked like complete shit against them all season. Yeah. Uh, Pittsburgh is going to be out for blood after that last game. Like I mentioned, they beat up on Pittsburgh seven to four. Dallas, they're on a roll. They got Jason Robertson, their first hundred point scorer, and what since they moved to Dallas. So they're terrifying. Carolina and Tampa, that's self-explanatory. So it's going to be a rough last five games potentially. But we also thought the last couple of games were going to be rough because, again, they were playing Pittsburgh, Carolina, and Toronto. So And we saw what they got from Winnipeg. That's another playoff contending team. So I don't know. It could go either way. I think for unfortunate, I don't want to say a lot, or majority of folks, but there are people out there that don't want them to keep winning and they want to see that percentage drop. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess to me, like if you're not getting the first overall picker, you're not getting the second overall picker, you're not going to be in that top five, then the, the losing, I I guess I'm trying to figure out how, how I want to say this, but like the, the loot, the cost of losing or the cost of winning I don't think is going to outweigh like the fact that, that your younger guys are getting some experience mm-hmm. in quote unquote important games. These games aren't garbage time yet. You know what I mean? Once once they are officially eliminated, those will be more quote unquote garbage time games. But at still at this point, at on April 4th, 2023, the Detroit Red Wings are still not eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. Thank you. Uh they're you going the point to be. That I was getting ready. I was going to make is that when's the last time we've had? Now I get it. It's not a victory because they're not in the playoffs, but and they're not really in the race either. And I, I hate going with the moral victory thing because that's just a cheap way to go about it. I think, but we haven't been able to been to say that they're not eliminated from the playoffs prior to April in years. So that's a step forward in its own right. Now, yes, again cap or the draft lottery blah blah we'll see what happens if it happens great i'm not putting all my eggs into that basket saying that they're going to somehow jump to the number one pick and get Connor bedard if you want to go with that have at it i'm not going to stop you but whatever happens happens if it's not the top two picks i'm we're going to bitch about it anyways because that's how we can do it so well i will say one thing and i guess this is something that if they do go on to lose a bunch more games uh, or you know, five of their last drop their last five. Yeah, lose their last five games. Could you see a situation where they drop to the number seven overall pick, and then you trade up to two or three? I, I'm not. Eisenman didn't rule it out. I mean, no. I mean, he's gonna have two picks in the top twenty potentially. So. Yep. I mean, unless I, the Islanders do something crazy and make that jump ahead um, a couple spots, like right now their pick is sitting at number 17 overall. If there's no – not taking the lottery into consideration, Detroit would hold the 11th and 17th picks right now. Uh, so could you package both of those and move up into the top five? Possibly. I mean, it, it's it, – I – it's hard to play the guessing game with what Iserman may or may not do, because more often than not, you're going to be wrong. 
you can maybe get kind of close, but if you're one of those that can Nostradamus what Steve Eisenman's doing, you need to be hired by the organization. I agree. I agree. So what yeah. I now to that point though, and I know we're kind of getting off the way from what we were going to talk about, but um to me, and I was had an interesting conversation not too long ago with Mario. I want to see that first pick made. I would also like to see that second first round pick or next year's first round pick be in play to make this team better for a now player. Someone that's not just a fill that you could likely get in free agency. And I don't want to say fill, but someone that's not going to necessarily, that's someone that's going to push the needle, maybe get you a top six goal yep. scorer with a, a first round pick. Maybe you get yep. the rights to a Timo Meyer. I doubt it. That's a best case scenario. Oh my God, this shit just happened. But that's like a for instance that I'm trying to make here. If you got those picks available, I feel like this is the season where you're going to see, this is me assuming or hoping maybe a little bit, that you're going to see some movement of picks for players, not picks or moving up in picks or things of that nature. And the other thing you need to keep and take into consideration is that the cap's not going up too much and the wings are going to still have a lot of cap space. Yep. So could you see a scenario where a team's up against the cap and they're like, oh, well, we need to trade a William Nylander. Oh, wait, you know, we don't really want to trade him in division, but we could trade him in division and get out of the cap that William Nylander, I think he's making 6.8 something mm-hmm. a year. Uh, so, I mean, could you see a scenario like that? Um, there oh. are other teams. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I can't really think of one in particular, but there are teams Colorado's in a tough cap. spot right now. They've got a lot of guys coming off of contract, but you've now got to pay Nathan McKinnon an extra $6 million a year. So are you looking at, are they going to offload in the Shushkin? Are they going to offload Amico Ranson? And I doubt it. But those are things to take a look at because right now Gabe Landeskog is on your LTIR. That's seven million bucks that's going to come off the cap. That's going to rehit what you've got to pay out, guys. And they've got one, two, three, four, five, six pending UFAs at forward. Two more that are RFAs. So they've got guys they've got to pay as well. That's another team that maybe you look at Steve talking to now. I know Greg brought up the Washington Capitals and, you know, the Capitals have, have kind of, you know, faded and it kind of seems like it's the Ovechkin thing. Um, and really not a whole lot more in terms of like pushing for a Stanley cup. I'm not saying Kuznetsov because, you know, he has off ice issues and stuff like that. It seemed like, it, it seems like he could be so much better than he is. Mm-hmm. He kind of seems like at times he's there, the, the best player there or a, a potential top 20 player in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And then other times it just looks like he's disinterested, almost yeah. like Evgeny Malkin looked early in his career. But, you know, Kuznetsov is what, 30 years old now? And he's yeah. got three more years at 7.8. So I'm not saying bringing Kuznetsov. Two more. Two more. Bring in Tom season. Wilson. Wilson's interesting because now you're potentially looking at because so Kuzi's got two more years after the uh, after this year's up. Tom Wilson's only got one more year, but I can tell you right now, I'm not sending a first round pick to get him. That's if, if I'm using uh, now, get I get it that it's going to be a, a mid first pick. If it was this year's, next year's probably potentially the same, depending on how this team progresses. But Tom Wilson's not necessarily a guy I want to make that pick on. And now, could that be the asking price? Sure. I don't know if that one that one's hard to to swallow, hard pill to swallow right there. You'd because- have to, you'd have to hope that there's there's a um 
a situation where there's an extension in place. But then again, he's 29. Yeah, but for how long? Because he is 29. He just turned 29 a week ago. Now, I'm not saying that's old. He's younger than me. He's just is he just older than you? Does he fit the window? Maybe. But are you going to be signing him? Is he going to want a long term contract? Because if that's the case, then you're kind of wasting capital and time at that point. So I don't know. He it's it's going to be really interesting. But going back to my original point, I would much prefer to see one of those top picks maybe used to bring in an, a goal scoring player type player. And Tom Wilson, he, yeah, he brings a, more of the all all around game. But if you can bring in the likes of a Timo Meyer, not again, I'm not saying that's who I want them to go for. But that's just the simple comparison I'm trying to make. They could. I mean, he still he still needs a contract. But we'll oh, William Nylander. Um, Nylander would be an ideal situation because I don't know what the hell Toronto's planning on doing. He's going to be asking for more money after next season because his expires as well. And you're going to have to pay Austin Matthews. So good luck. Yeah, good luck. That's their problem, not ours. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of situations that you could see going awry. Uh, you know, New Jersey is another one. Like, yeah, they extended Hughes. They they got that taken care of pretty quickly. They got they got and for a good much. price point. So they're not a team that I. Would they're going to be looking to having to extend Jesper Brat. Are they bringing back Tatar? Uh, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Timo Meyer. They got Eric Halla. Now, granted, he's a little bit older. Uh, Shrangovich, he's had a good year. Like there's guys that they're going to have to end up paying. Yeah, Dawson Mercer, he's still only he has one year left on his entry level deal. Like, are they going to how's his contract going to play out? They got to they got to lock down their defense. They've got Severson and Graves to to get under contract. So there's going to be some finagling with them that's going to have to take place as well. Well, I guess one team you could look at too is the Oilers. That's that's another team. I'm All the teams that are basically team. playoff bound are ones that you can look at and be like, there's guys that Iserman could probably go get. This team will be immediately better. You could really piss off Leafs Nation and get and sign Michael Bunting in free agency. Are you going to piss off Leafs Nation? Or are they going to be like, ah, he wasn't that great? And then they'll be happy about it. And then you'll piss off Red Wings Nation instead because you got the old man Bunting to be your new bitch boy. Because <laughs> speaking of bunting, that's going to take us over into probably the best one of the highlights of the year, other than Edmondson making his way and making his NHL debut. Marco Casper officially made his NHL debut against Michael Bunting and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I got to tell you, I'm excited. the The Wings, the future of this team, has finally made it to Detroit. Now. There's guys that are in Grand Rapids that, yes, I get it. There's several players that we're excited for that haven't made their way up yet. Calm down. Don't yell at me for that. We've got, we had on Saturday night, Edvinson, Berggren, Raymond, Sider, and Casper all on the ice the other night. There was four of them on the ice at one point when they got into a fantastic scrum and where you could argue that CVY's goon squad had arrived. And the person that let off that scrum, Marco Casper, got into it, Love it. right in front of the net and then let it, let, let it around the net. I think it was Lilligren that he started uh, chirping mm-hmm. and getting up on his shit. And then that just swarmed. Edmondson, Cider, they came in late. Bunting was out there, ended up leading to him. I, people say he spit. I, didn't, I still don't know if he did that or not at the feet of Simon Edmondson. It kind of looked like it. 
don't really know for like sure, it. but because he doesn't shut his goddamn mouth, he got a um a 10 minute misconduct, didn't get the game. He did come back in the third, but uh he got kind of benched and didn't really see the ice until the end of the game. But the highlight of that night, though, other than the wings winning five two, I think was definitely Marco Casper. That you could tell coming in the first period, I mean, he had his water legs. They were he, he wasn't quite sure he was skating. He was kind of just going through the motions, if you will, in that first period. And I and that's to be fully expected. He is the first 18-year-old skater to play for the Red Wings since Marty LaPointe back in 1991. So that tells you how things have progressed, better or worse, for Detroit over all these years. Because you think back to 91, they were in a similar situation to what arguably what they are right now and trying to and starting to turn things around. But I thought as a whole, for me, watching the way he progressed through that game, he got stronger and more confident, especially in the second period, because he started putting the body on more. He wasn't afraid to mix it up or kind of throw a little extra little shoulder into somebody. At one point, I think it was in the third period, uh, he pissed off TJ Brody and took a nice slash to the back of the knee. Casper kind of took a run in him along the, uh, the uh, Maple Leafs goal line, missed him. Brody took exception to it, came around, slashed him in the back of the leg. Casper skated around the net and then got in his face about it. So you see that he's already not backing down to seasoned NHL players. And that is the shit disturber thing that I think we've talked to or talked about over the last however many months with him and something that Detroit has lacked because the skill's there. The playmaking is there. There's several times that I thought he was actually going to get a goal where he was setting up a great play cross ice. Like the vision is what seemed to be on point and he was confident with the puck. And I think for what we saw out of him, I get it. It was one game. He hasn't played since he's kind of banged up. It sounds like, but there's talent there and it's exciting because that's, that's where this future is heading. Oh, absolutely. The fact that like, it's one thing to hear about these guys. It's one mm-hmm. thing to see the highlights. It's one thing to see them. Oh, there's play plenty of them too the SHL or, or, you know, wherever, but it's a whole nother ball game when they lace up and wear the winged wheel on their chest. I mean, honestly, that's, this is what we've been waiting for, right? We're not quite there just yet, Mm -hmm. but you can start to see, um, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel or whatever adage you want to use. You can just start to see it. You can, you can start to see where it all fits together. Like for a long time, you're like, okay, so we have Larkin, Bert. Potentially Bert, you know, a whole lot of not much Endless. going forward. Guys uh, that we then, thought you know, were going to be really good, then didn't weren't good, and then they got traded, or they're just you, hurt. But then you get Cider into the fold, and and now you got Edvinson. So you got two real stalwarts on defense, or potential stalwarts on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have Wallman, who has kind of come out of nowhere, really, and he's been fantastic all season long, and he was last year as well. Yep. Uh, Joe Valeno's kind of coming into his own. I know he's not going to ever probably he's got live three up points to that. in five games. He's got a goal tonight too against the Habs. I don't think he's ever going to live up to that, you know, high draft pick kind of thing. But you know what? No, at the end I of mean, the, he was a second round pick, right? Uh, he was thirtieth or thirty second overall. I think between thirty and thirty four. He was into the first, early second. I think early second is where he ended. I up think lost. it was the early second because he was a few, one of the few guys that had exceptional status in the CHL. And yeah. then for whatever reason, it just didn't live up to it. And people started to see that. So that's why he dropped in the draft to Detroit and Detroit was able to snag him. And honestly, I mean, you know what? 
it, you're gonna as 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 team building comes together and you start to build this team and build this team for the playoffs and all that sometimes the guys that you draft high like that or you know draft in the second round like that if for them to become an at least even a, a player on a team that you know plays a decent amount and is even at least a third liner i mean that's huge mm-hmm. like because what is the stats? I mean, most players that are drafted in the first two rounds, some play in the NHL and, and you know, some really don't. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I forget you talking about the percentages there. It's not high. Even if you're a top 10 pick, like it's your odds are obviously better, but I'd have to look it up to see what those numbers are. Typically, I know Prashant has done a really good um, visual for that, but. You know, and Valeno, by the way, it, he was first round thirtieth overall. That's what I thought. Oh, so he was, so he was a second first round pick in that draft then, because yep. I forget who the first one was. But yeah. So, anyways, yeah, I mean, Valeno's kind of coming into his own. Raymond's another high pick, and and he's been really good recently. So, I mean, you can start to see it all come together on forward. You have Larkin. You going forward? You have Casper. You have Bergeron. Raymond mm-hmm. Valeno's probably part of that as well. And then on defense, obviously, you have, you know, Evanson, Sider, and then, you know, unfortunately, Ben Sherratt right now. But, you know, going forward, Jake Wallman, obviously. And then, you know, you do have the young guys in the minor leagues that are in the Wallander, you've got Sabrango, potentially. Wallander, 20. Sabrango, 21. Uh, Johansson, 22. So... There's two Omisto got brought back over. We'll see. Oh, and by the way, there. Sebastian Costa just lights it up in the, in the ECHL right now. So yep, and he's still all is well. There. I mean, he's of... he's kind of after their win streak, he's kind of taking a step back. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. say a step back, but the wall I have kind of come back to reality is is the way I'll put it. But no, to your point, there's a lot of young guys that, and even Eiserman has made mention of it that could be fighting for a spot next year, particularly on defense. But there's guys like Soderblom. He could. The odds are good that he's going to be a full-time NHLer next season. Amadeus Lombardi has been lighting it up in Flint. So, what? Where are we going to see him come to Grand Rapids next season? I think that'd be fantastic. Ross Hannes, if he once he gets back healthy, and then Carter Mazur, he's had a good start down in Grand Rapids. He's looking confident and, and all young, all 21 and under. That's what's important. Now that's where that's why I go back to what we were talking about earlier, though. Do we use that other? I say we. I mean Iserman. Does Iserman use that other first round pick to now go get a forward, or even a defenseman to complement what is b- being built right now? So, and a lot of those names we just mentioned, does someone also become expendable on a trade like this? Yeah, absolutely. That's the other thing to think about because we're starting to get to that territory where. You mentioned it at the start. We're not eliminated officially from the playoffs yet. The expectation for next season, much like the Detroit Lions, this team needs to make the playoffs. Now, yep. the Lions, are, I think, have a little bit higher expectation because of the way they ended the season, but I'm not expecting Detroit to come out, the Red Wings, that is, and win the division. But you want to see this team fighting for that wild card spot and making it and making no, some but- noise. But like if you if you use the the comparison to the Lions, you don't have potentially Aaron Rodgers leaving the division. Um, you don't have sure know, Minnesota Vikings kind of pairing it back a little bit. You don't have um, you know Chicago. I guess I guess Chicago's probably going to get a little bit better. But I mean, at the end of the day, Detroit 
could end up being the best team in the NFC Central, right? Is that what it's called? No, NFC North. NFC North, um, yeah. But then if you look at like the wings, but hockey wise, <laughs> the, if you look at the wings division, the Atlantic, um, Toronto's not getting any worse. No. I, I know that their cap situation still is what it is, but as long as they have Matthews and Marner and Nylander and Morgan Riley, I mean, they're going to be a really good team. Boston, mm-hmm. we don't know about yet. We don't know. We, we, made, we thought they were going to be shit this year, at least at the start because of the injuries. And then they came out and have dominated ever since. Now, does that speak to the, the coaching change? It could. Very likely. Yeah, very likely. Oh, and they've got, I mean, really, they got to figure out what they're going to do with Bergeron. Are they bringing back Bertuzzi? So that's a team, again, a team that you look at. Do you, can you bring somebody in? I was hoping Pasta was going to make the free agency. That, that could be someone that Detroit could try to make an offer to. I would have paid him that $11 million to be on this Red Wings team. I don't care if people will be like, oh, it's way too much. You want to get better? That's the type of player you want to have on your team. Those are the difference makers that mo- more, more times than not, you have to draft. You have to draft guys like Moritz Sider. You have to draft guys like Simon Edvinson. You have to draft mm-hmm. guys like Dylan Larkin. And I forget exactly who it was. I think it was um, I think it was Craig Button said that Detroit is going would regret getting rid of Dylan Larkin because they're going to spend ten years trying to find another Dylan Larkin, who right now is at seventy as before coming in tonight was at seventy six points in seventy five games. He's oh, playing by the way, thirty point. goals. Another 30 Again. goal season. Another one. That's his third, correct? Mm-hmm. He's on a select list of Red Wings players to include the likes of Datsuk, Zetterberg, Iserman. Just crazy. And he's not, he's doing this with a middle of the road to bad team. Way lesser of a roster than those guys ever had. So you tell me Except that. Except for Iserman, maybe. Like the fact that I got told that he wouldn't be a second line center on teams before, like that just. If you think that and you had this guy that's a point per game player on a, a team that's like this, I, I got nothing for you at this point. Because because correct me if I'm wrong, but some of those Steve Eisenman early years, like 83, 84, 85, those years were not very good. Those were still the dead wing teams. So Steve mm-hmm. Eisenman and Bob Probert and those guys, they basically carried those teams. Right. So if I, I mean, obviously, I'm not old enough to remember, but from what I've seen, and I, those teams were not very good. And so 1984, only... 83, 84 season, Iserman's first year. This is per hockey reference. They had 69 points. There you go. And the leading scorer was Iserman with 87 points. Next was Ivan Bold, Boldarev at 83 points. Ron, du- I don't, can't even pronounce his name. That Ron John O'Grodnick. There we go. There's a guy I know. There we go. 78 points. Wings just scored again. Is it Perron? That's up five nothing. So yeah, they didn't. They had guy. They actually had balanced scoring in, in 1983, 84. They don't have that right now because no. if you look at Detroit scoring right now, let's go back over to them. Uh, Larkin 76 points in 75 games. Did he have an assist on this goal? I'm not quite sure. But uh, their next leading scorer, David Perron, at 50 points. So. Yeah, you need someone to be up there with Larkin and bridge that gap, whether it's a guy like Lucas Raymond or you have a guy like Moritz Sider that really takes that step offensively forward and, you know, has a crazy season like Josh Morrissey is for the Winnipeg Jets this year. He's got, Mm -hmm. what, 70 points or something ridiculous like that? Now, you don't need that, but can can you get a guy like Sider to have, you know, 40 points? 
And then you have a guy like Lucas Raymond pick it up and, and you know, get 70, 80 points. Because then to. you have to, to, to be points. honest, he, that's what Lark, or Raymond's going to have to get to, in my opinion. To I really agree. be, he needs to get up in that impact player range of just of hovering around 70 to 80 points, like you mentioned, because that's going to help be a difference maker on this team. Now, you could argue, and I think it's a fair thing to say that he's had a sophomore slump. Um, yeah. Cider, though he seemingly started slow, I think he's had actually a very good good all-around year. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's been some growing pains from both, you could argue. But I think Raymond, scoring-wise, he's looked stronger and more confident on the puck. But the timing is just off. Yep. So, but he's still, at as of right now, one, two, three, four, fifth in scoring on the team. So, How many has he got? 18, 19? 16 goals, 24 assists, and he's got a goal tonight, so I think that's up to 17 and 24. But I don't know the assists. I don't know the, have the box score in front of me for tonight's game. So, but, but no, I mean, going back to where we were, we started on Casper and got away. Do you have anything else to touch on with Casper? I mean, I'm excited to see him. It sucks that he's out tonight uh, because he's got he's banged up, which isn't surprising the way he was throwing the body around uh, the other night, but. You got anything else to touch on with him? Yeah, I just want to say one thing, and I think I told you privately. I might have tweeted it, too. The 92 looks amazing. It looked amazing on Nemesnikov. It looks even better on Casper. I really hope he keeps it just because, like, I don't know. I guess it's the nostalgia of seeing the 91 and, you know, the 93 of Franzen and the 96 mm-hmm. of Holmstrom, like, it, it's cool to see a wing player wear a number that's kind of unorthodox. I wonder if um, you know, it's something if there's a reasoning behind it, he wasn't born in 96 or anything like that. So I don't know, or I'm sorry, he wasn't born in 92 or anything like that. No. So I'm sorry. I got the Holmstrom on, on the brain there, but, um, he wasn't born in 92. So I don't know why he wore 92. Maybe. Well, like you got to go back to training camp cause he was wearing it then too. So there might, maybe we can ask, uh, Danielle to see what she's been able to find out with that one. It could have been just one of those. That's the number they gave me situations. Since that's what happened with Edmondson, and he ro- rolled it, rolled along with three. So the three looks amazing on him too. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, like those are the numbers, those solid numbers like that with Edmondson. Like those are like the Nick Lidstrom numbers or like the you know Bobby Orr numbers. I'm not saying that he's those guys, but um, no, yeah, that's know. fair. Seeing single digit numbers available and on a player, it does bring back like that's the old days. I don't want to say old days, but the better times in Detroit. So absolutely. But no, uh, I think that's, we've covered enough on the roster and Casper. I did touch on the green squad. I mean, it was hilarious to see them getting under Toronto's skin. Like now I will caveat. Yes, they beat them five to two, but Toronto did. I hate the term, some load management with a couple guys out there. I don't, I think they were without what Giordano, uh, Mitch Marner and one other player that did not dress for this game. But as a whole, I mean, they, Detroit just seemed to skate better. But they all, what they are also doing better was putting a body on and pissing off guys like they were in Matthew's face. They weren't afraid to go after Luke Shen. They weren't afraid of guys like TJ Brody, and they definitely weren't afraid of old man bunting. And like I mentioned earlier, he got a game misconduct for pretty much just bitching. I think that's what it ended up coming down to. Like I said, I don't know if he spit. People say he did. Can't really tell. I think the ref got tired of his bullshit. And exactly. Like, yeah, see you later. Because he got called for embellishment earlier in the game. I don't. 
I'm torn on if that was actually the right call. I mean, Wallman gave him a good two-handed cross-check to the back. So I think maybe it was on the second time that it happened. He went down hard on the first check. I think that was the initial call. But then Wallman touched him again, and he, like, flung himself forward. Maybe it was off that one. I don't really know. He hasn't helped himself out, if you will, bunting, that is, in terms of not shutting the fuck up. And his coach has called him out on it. And he doesn't, like... It's one thing to chirp players. It's another to always bitch about the ref looking for a call. And that is now what he has become known for. Like, you've got talent. There's no denying that. But shut up. Yep. So, but it was great because you had Edmonds. I thought Edmondson and uh, Cider were going to destroy him because I think Bunting at one point kicked Cider's stick backwards. That's where the uh, game misconduct came or the misconduct came in. And Edmondson, as we found out in his little interview with Daniela, does MMA. Did you know that? Did you hear about I did, that? I did hear that. Yeah. So now I just want to see the beast unleashed on someone. Cider, it's only a matter of time before I think he cold clocks somebody in the face. And I, there'd be no better person than Michael Bunting to see him just get absolutely freaking slobbered. By I agree. Guys. I totally agree. Um you know, maybe a, a Tyler Johnson, but obviously he's not. We're not playing Chicago again. Yeah, that would he's be, he's really fallen off since leaving Toronto or Sydney Tampa, Crosby, sorry, maybe Tampa, huh? Sydney Sydney Crosby, maybe. I, if you go back and watch that game, every time Crosby was near the puck, Cider was right up his ass and pissing him off. They got a little chippy at one point. It wasn't as bad as earlier in the year or last season, whichever it was. But uh, no, they were up. Cider was in Crosby's grill pretty good again, and I love it. He's starting to piss people off. And if one thing I've noticed this year is he has been really trying to go finish his checks. Have you caught that? I love it. I love it. And that's been seeing a lot of the reverse hits this year, though. No, they wisened up to that one, I would say. But as a whole, they uh, what's the best way to put it? He's been all about getting in there, finishing the check, but not taking himself out of the play to do so. Yeah. More often than not. So I, I really do think when this team is ready to win, it is going to be a tough team. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's going to be similar to those teams in mm-hmm. Tampa where they don't take shit. They're, they're not going to just let guys like Stamkos get run over and there's not going to be a response. There's going to be guys like Patrick Maroon on this team, not him specifically because yeah. the game has changed, but guys like Patrick Maroon, guys like Alex Kalorn that aren't afraid to to mix it up in there and, and you know, because even in the playoffs, you know, the games are physical, they're tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you have to have discipline, but you also have to stand up for your players uh, when, it ter- when it comes to getting the scrums and stuff like that. So yep. those Tampa teams are really good at that. And I think that Detroit is going to be really good at that when it gets to that point. And even, even before that, in terms of like playing important games down the stretch, hopefully next season, um, where you have a chance to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what's interesting, though, with Casper. It seemed like he took over the reins against Toronto that night for the Goon Squad because he wasn't afraid to mix shit up. And then, like I said, with Sider and Edmondson, they came in like two big brothers to help protect him when he was in, getting into a Lilligren, and that's where the bunting thing came from. But he, for lack of better words, and you look at teams like Ottawa with Kachuk, who we love to hate, but that's the type of stuff he does and it sparks the team. And that's something that I think we've talked about over and over again, that that is what they have lacked 
Now yeah, you need guys like that. I know we hate those guys. You need guys like mm-hmm. Chuck, like Marshand. But they they have to have the skill aspect because exactly. we saw that happen with Giovanni Smith. The skill wasn't there. And then instead, he just got penalties from it. Casper yep. brought the skill aspect the other night. I get it. One game. I'm not trying to go off the deep end with it. But he made shit happen when he needed to in the time that he was out there. So looking forward to the future, that he could end up being a game, potential game changer if that's the type of thing that he's going to bring night in and night out. Yeah, I think Carter Mazur will bring a little bit of that too. Um, yeah. You know, when he finally yep. does get his first NHL game next year, hopefully. Oh, uh, Greg would love to hear have that conversation because you got Casper and Mazur out there. If they can replicate what they've done to this point together on the ice, now you've got a mini, a mini bash bros going on. And, you know, you don't have to do it every night. You, you have to do it when the other team starts to push back or, or you can start it too. It's just a matter of, of being smart respond? about it and not taking stupid ass penalties, uh, you know, that put your team shorthanded because, you know, playing a lot of these teams down the stretch or even next year when you do play Toronto and you do play Boston and you play teams like Edmonton, you put those teams on the power play, man. I mean, you, you I know Boston's power play struggled as of late, but like you put Edmonton's power play out there, you're going to you're going to give up goals. I don't mm-hmm. care if you have the best penalty kill in the NHL, you're still giving up goals. Yeah, um, watching McDavid then, you know, with the puck is just it's like art. Yes, I agree. But and my right, roommate so, Ryan would also agree with that. <laughs> he's just he's so fun to watch and he's also been a blessing to my fantasy team. But all right, so I think we're going to jump past that. We've beat the horse enough on how this team has looked over the past week. It's been a fine Close out, if you will, for this as we're coming into the end of the season, final five games after tonight. But the last thing I want to touch on, and one could argue that he's maybe spurred this team to kind of get back into their winning three of four and looked better over the last two weeks or so. Alex Nadelkovic, uh, Huso went down with what was assumed to be, I believe, was a lower body injury. And he has been the workhorse and arguably. Team MVP, depending on what part of the season you want to look at. Ned, on the other hand, was quite the opposite. But since being recalled or getting his emergency recall, he went five games, three and two record. He had a 925 save percentage over that span and beating the likes of Pittsburgh, Carolina, and Toronto, while also having a tough loss to Philly and also losing to St. Louis in that span. But was that five games for you outside of, I mean, he's looked good in, in Grand Rapids. He did not look good to start this season, which is why he played sparingly over the first two months. Would with what Ned was showing, was that enough for you? And he's only, he's 27 years old to bring him back as the, your backup next season. No, no, no. Simple as no. that. No. Yeah, no. I I I think there's better options out there even if he um, takes less money. He's at 3 million dollars right now. If you cut that down to 2, would you bring him back? Or 1.5. One, 1875. One, there you go. Okay, I, it depends because there's guys out there like Justin Jari's one guy I would look at. Mm-hmm. Um there are other guys that I I can't think of at the moment, but there are some free agent goalies out there that you just kind of need really till, till you get a guy like Kosa ready to back up. 
Uh, I mean, it won't be next year, I would imagine, but could it be two years from now? Tosa should be the starter in Grand Rapids next year. Yeah, he should be. Absolutely. I would he agree with that. be the starter in Grand Rapids next year. And Not I that, think that they played that him. intentionally that way is because you look at what he's done really up to this point. He hasn't, and I, Osgood, I think, touched on this after the last game, is you haven't seen the roller coaster, the yo-yoing going on with Kosa, where he's going from Grand Rapids to Toledo and, and vice versa. He's stayed in Toledo. They've moved uh, Lethemin up. They've moved some guy, Bednash, or Bednar has moved back and forth um, from Toledo to Grand Rapids. They've let Kosa stay, cook, and do his thing. And that's why it just would seems like the no-brainer that he is now going to make that move to Grand Rapids, right? There's no reason for him not to, um, right? Yeah, I agree. I, I don't see why he wouldn't at least be the one A one B in Grant. I don't see him backing up in Grant. Well, maybe I guess, but yeah. But the, I mean, the biggest thing they're going to say again is he needs whatever is going to get him the most minutes. And you, we thought that Grand Rapids was going to be a much more competitive team this year. That was quite the opposite of the case. Next year they should be good, though. I hope so because if that's the case, then you get a confident Cosa in there. That's what. That's all you can ask for because right now with Ned. If you're looking at expiring UFAs or going to be UFAs for next season, Tristan Jari is your top one out there that's 28 years old. Is he going to command like what you're paying? Um, Huso. Really Huso? That's going to that's gonna be what you're looking at. Because do you want to be paying two goalies north of $4 million no, a year? Probably not. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't think that. you do. So Tristan Jari, I mean, it's it's possible, but I bet that's out because he's 22-11-2 right now in Pittsburgh. He's got a 293 and 909 save percentage. He's looking pretty decent. They're also contending for, potentially for a playoff. Your next UFA, if we're going to go down the list, Laurent Brossois. I might have butchered that. I know how to say it. I've heard his name, but he's Laurent out in Vegas. Uh, he's only played eight games this season. Then you got Aiden Hill. He's 27, also in Vegas. He's played 27 games in an a arguable backup role. Now they brought in Jonathan Quick. Um, let's see. Jonas Corposalo. He's 29. He'll be, I don't know what his, his birthday is, but that's a potential option for you. That's not a bad option either. He's done some backup. Him and, I mean, just because Huso's played good this year doesn't mean he's the automatic starter next year, I don't think. And, if you bring in a guy like Corpus or you bring in a guy like, I don't know, Freddie Anderson is probably not the kind. But even Freddie Anderson, I mean, he's 33 years old. Could you bring him in to push Huso a little bit? Maybe. I mean, I did my filter on cap friendly to be at goalies under the age of 32. So um, I don't think the age matters at the, at the backup goalie position. You sure about that? Because they came into the year with two twenty uh, two twenty six year olds. Maybe uh, you might be right. I mean, that that could be the case. Or twenty six and twenty seven or something. Like that. He's twenty six. I mean, who's so he just he turned twenty eight in February. So it's twenty six and twenty seven is what they entered the season with. I, I do like the Aiden Hill um, comparison, or I shouldn't say comparison option. option. Yeah, uh, he was pretty good in Arizona. He's been good once in a while in in. Um, Vegas. I think he's been up and down between Henderson and Vegas. So no. uh, I I wouldn't mind that over Ned. I, I don't know. Do you, is Helbert totally out? I wouldn't say no, but I mean, you haven't, you, we could have argued that he looked 
decent in his showing, but as the the more playing time he seemed to get, it seemed the worst that he got, much like Ned to start the season. And since Ned's been back, we haven't been talking about Helberg. And now tonight, Huso's back in that. So yeah, he got a little exposed. I agree. He, yeah, he, he I, I'm not saying it. that he was bad. He was serviceable, but I don't think that's what you want to be relying on as your serviceable backup. No, definitely not. So I agree with that. It's it's gonna be if you're like me and restricting it to age, it's slim pickings as a U, on the UFA market. So do I see him making another trade, Iserman? Because that's what no. he did to get Ned. That's what he did to get Huso. It's possible. But it's that I think is going to be one of the bigger question marks going into the next season is what do they do for the backup? I would not be against Ned returning, but it would have to be for less than what he's doing right now. Because you're paying a guy $3 million and he's played in 14 games. That's not okay. The ideal situation, and I'm not saying next year in particular, but... The ideal situation is you get to two years from now. Huso's your starter and um Hosa. Hosa, yes, correct. Uh would be your backup. And that that's that is how you would you would hope because then that's the situation of Ben Bishop and Andre Vasilevsky, and then they traded Bishop at the trade deadline. Remember mm-hmm. that? Oh, to yeah. LA, I think it was. So that that is kind of where you want to get to. Now, obviously, it takes a little while to get there, and this is kind of why you're bridging the gap. You could be bridging the gap for one year, or you could be bridging it for two years, which is kind of why I suggested Aiden Hill or potentially even Tristan Jari. It depends on how much you believe in Huso. Do you believe that Huso's the the starter going forward until until Coast is ready until Coast is ready to take the reins, or is it a one A one B situation until Coast is ready? To become that one A one B or potentially backup one A one B for who for for Huso oh uh, Huso and whoever they bring in I mean we 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 made the thought that Huso and Ned were going to be one A one B this season and then we saw what happened like I'm on record saying this could be the best goal goaltending tandem duo in hockey and then didn't come close. The last decent 1A, 1B situation we had here in Detroit was Mrazek and Howard. Uh, early, early Mrazek. Early, early, early Mrazek. No. Really? You don't think so? eh. Mate, No, because I... I mm. Is it because they took the team to the playoffs? Or, I mean, that was the tail end of the playoff streak. I'm talking before Mrazek started being crazy aggressive and playing yeah. the puck and turning it over. And, and Morazic was the better option against Tampa that season for sure. Cause he played what he was in there for game seven, even wasn't he? He was, he was. Yeah. That was the last glimmer of hope this team had too far. Um, I guess Oz really Osgood and Hashik then that's, the that's really- that was the first one that I was thinking of for best tandem they've had in a while, arguably because that one, that group at least won. I mean, not saying that Howard and, Mrazek didn't win. They had good regular seasons, but playoff times, that was it. So, yeah, it was, it was different. It was certainly different. I agree. So, consensus, so you're a no. I'm a maybe on Ned returning for a second chance. I wouldn't be I against wonder what it. Greg would, would say here. And I know he's not here uh, to listen to this, but he can just fill us in next week. He, he can do a record, record scratch or some shit again, like he did last for last week's episode. But all right, I think that uh, that about wraps it up. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pass it over to you for final thoughts. 
Yeah, I mean, my final thoughts are just enjoy these last five games. Um, like I said, you know, there's there's some tough games in there. I mean, the 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 one caveat is is you you do have some teams that have already clinched, like Dallas and and um, Carolina, I believe, is already clinched. Or if they haven't already, they probably will by the time you get to that game on April 11th. Uh, and then Tampa Bay, probably by that point, will have already clinched as well. Actually, I think they have clinched already, right? Because we know that that, that Toronto-Tampa Bay series is locked in. So, yep. uh, they, All the Atlantic Division teams that were in the top three are already clinched. Boston's got presidents, Toronto and Tampa. They're now fighting for, I believe, the second spot. But it doesn't necessarily – it actually – it doesn't matter because they're playing each other. So – they're fighting for pride at this point on who's going to be the top second seed or the third seed. Right. So, I mean, uh, that's, that's the biggest thing. You do have some teams that, uh, you know, that you could probably beat up on. Um, but, the, but actually I shouldn't even say that because you just beat Montreal. But besides that, I mean, the rest is kind of tough. So you could see a situation where they lose all five, hopefully not. Um, and then enjoy the playoffs. Cause you know, like I said, there's, there's certainly some rooting interest there. Um, but yeah, no, enjoy the rest of, of what you see of Edmondson. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than that, you can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, enjoy it while well, we got, got got what's left because the Tigers haven't uh, sparked any excitement. I mean, yes, they did win last night. I don't know what they're doing tonight, but they have been scary to start the year. They are not a Boston. Shut up, Tyler. I get it. The Red Sox but- suck, too. It's been brutal. So, no, it's have fun with these kids that are on the ice right now. That's all we can ask for. I think Edvinson can only play in three or four remaining games. I forget where he's at in terms of games played right now after tonight. But he's only got a few more left. You can see Casper. Hopefully we get him back for the last couple of games, see what he can do uh, at the NHL level or continue to do it to start. So enjoy it. It's fun. If you don't like them winning, I don't care. It's fun to see this team happy because it means it's a good, they're playing to the level that they we, we know they can. So you can follow me on Twitter and the sort at rdryan33. Follow the grind the podcast at Grindline Pod. There's a lot of stuff that Greg usually covers right here that I can't think of everything off the top of your head. But for any of your jerseys and Detroit Red Wings apparel, go to Vintage Detroit. Check them out. Check a shop out on Redbubble. I uh, got Howie's hockey tape. For discounts there, I think it's grind line. But uh, other than that, for Tyler, I'm Ryan. You stay classy, Hockey Town.